All right. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of Blue Jays Happy Hour on Colin. I believe it is our 39th overall. Um, Stoden, we normally do a very poor job of figuring out what episode it is. We'll call it uh, episode one of 2.0. How this is going to work is we're going to come to you after the game's a lot of time. We're going to talk about the game that just happened. We're going to take some calls, and then we'll kind of continue with the normal podcast as it was before, talking about some of the things that went on during the week. So, Stone, that was a heck of an Alec Manoa performance. I don't know if it was a heck of that much else from an entertainment standpoint. Uh, no, I would say it wasn't. But Alec Manoa, oh, my goodness. Like, uh, I literally, you know, I mean, I tweet nonsense all the time. But I was like, you know, this guy's going to win a Cy Young if, he, if, he's, if this is what he is. Like, this, that, was, that was a ridiculous performance. Like, uh, I was afraid of Garrett Whitlock and uh, – uh, perhaps rightfully so, you know. Uh, thank you to Tanner Houck for not getting vaccinated, so you couldn't uh, uh, be here to start this game and allow, you know, Whitlock to to pitch out of the bullpen uh, in a game that perhaps the the Red Sox could have won had they not been terrible. Um, but yeah, like Whitlock's been ridiculous all year. He was at the start of this one, but obviously couldn't go very long. And Houckman, uh, oh, oh my, like wow, like. Uh, you don't want to count this guy out. Uh, it, that was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I'd kind of chalk this up to a Blue Jays loss myself coming in. Whitlock has been <laughs> so good. He's been so dominant against right-handed hitters. Uh, and that's kind of what the Blue Jays have. And the left-handed hitters they have are, you know, not great. Rymel Tapia cleaning up for this team somehow. Um, that's wild. You know, Kato playing first base. Zimmer start. Like, this was a brutal lineup when you looked at it coming in today. And you had a Red Sox pitcher who's extremely hot. No, he wasn't going to go deep into the game. But if you have a guy who's that good giving you four, and then you've got the rest of the bullpen coming out there, you can shut a team down. And I guess, to be honest, that's what the Red Sox did today. They did shut the Blue Jays down. It's just that the Blue Jays shut the Red Sox down a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fair way to put it. I mean, you know, the Blue Jays... I mean, everybody. I mean, we're, people are talking about the, the the baseball, like what that's, uh, you know, what, what you know, whether that that has been manufactured, Robin footballs, whether that's a thing, um, you know, the, the humidor balls have been, have been dying at the warning track. Uh, it, it's been uh, it, it, the offense. I think I think Ben Nicholson Smith, our uh, our friend of the show, uh, mentioned it on Twitter the other day that like you know the Blue Jays it feels like it's been bad but like they've actually been an above average team in terms of uh, you know all the stats across the board because offense has just been down so much already this year uh, so you know a one nothing game maybe isn't that surprising but also um, a real nail biter and uh, and you know, that that is as as much as you can talk about how the Blue Jays offense was not great. Uh, what Alec Manoa did to the Red Sox offense is uh, is pretty spectacular. Yeah, I mean, he's showing us a lot of what he showed us last season, but it's a little bit different, too. Like, he's throwing a lot fewer of the sinkers. It's really the four-seam fastball and the slider right now. And that's all he needs. Like, the velocity isn't huge. We've talked about it before. He doesn't profile as this ace in theory because the velocity is kind of more good than amazing. And he's got the one secondary pitch that's fantastic. But there's a little bit of deception there. Uh, and sometimes that spotty command uh, works in his favor because he can be awfully unpredictable. The slider is special. And, yeah, he looked like a more dangerous pitcher than Whitlock, and basically nobody's looked like that. And he is this outlier, but 
he continues to do it over multiple seasons, like, yeah, you know, his career is still relatively short. He hasn't pitched 150 big league innings yet. So you always want to be slightly cautious. But when you come out with a take like he's going to win a Cy Young at some point, I would have laughed at that, you know, not long ago. When we first started this podcast, we were joking about him having no minor league experience and we were kind of <laughs> hanging our hopes on him. And now look at us, you know, I think look less at than us. a year later. Yeah, look at us. Less than a year <laughs> later. And uh, we're talking about him as a potential Cy Young guy and we're not sounding insane. It's it really is it really is remarkable. I mean, I, I'm looking at the chat right now. Sam, Sam, Sam Manoa with a very vibey performance, and I think that's I think that's 100 percent true. I mean, this is team vibes. Charlie is uh, is the captain of of, uh, of the, the good ship vibes, but uh, but there's just vibes coming from all sorts of places, and I think that's absolutely true about Manoa. Oh, somebody's talking that's... about my dulcet tones, Kevin Biggio, E. Kevin. I will tell you right now that he's uh, got he's got the COVID. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking through the chat right now. We're trying to be interactive. We're we're uh, you know we're we're, we're doing new, new stuff podcast. right now. <laughs> uh, but no, it's uh, and here's Brent is saying uh, he, he saw the lineup and was like they're going to have to win one nothing. Well, they somehow did, and I like it's it's I haven't even quite processed yet what that ridiculous game was. Um, and like, it just, they fe- it feels like they're stealing games so far this, you know, this year a bit, which is well-deserved because of how many games they did not steal. And, and in fact had stolen from them last year. Uh, but you know, uh, last year it was like, look at the run differential. If you look at it right now, there are teams in the American league that are better than the blue Jays, but you know, uh, it's still way too early to look at that. I think. And obviously, uh, everybody here is probably going to agree. Uh, this is a really good team. It's a really good team, and it's an incredibly fun team as well, which is uh, which is real fun. Well, we talked about last year. Like they could have a team in 2022 that's not as good as the 2021 team, but wins more games. And I, I don't know if that's going to be the case over the course of the year. Teoscar Hernandez comes back. You know, Bobichet wakes up. They could look every bit the 2021 Blue Jays at the end of the season, but they don't look like that team now, but they're stealing these games. And I don't know if that's, you know, the karmic pendulum swinging or whatever it is, but the reality is that they were so unlucky last year and they had so many of these unfortunate bullpen blowups. That's not happening at all. You know, like Manoa gave you seven innings. You still had to get a couple more and you never really felt particularly nervous about that. I know that Jordan Romano had a few hiccups for a second there, uh, it seems like he found his top end velocity and, you know, he looks like that guy who's saving every game. You know, earlier in the year, it seemed like he was getting by on a little bit of luck. That doesn't really look like the case over the last few games. And yeah, you need to hit more than this. There's no doubt about it, but there's no sense harping on this lineup of kind of bench guys that they're almost never going to be throwing out when they're fully healthy saying like, oh, this lineup <laughs> couldn't possibly produce. Well, that's fine because, like, this lineup is not a lineup they're going to use, you know, you'd like to think ever again. <laughs> Ideally, so, Tapia is not going to be the cleanup hitter. Yeah, that should be a one and done, you know, for his career, wherever he goes after this, whether it's the Blue Jays or any other major league team. Like, a major league team should not hit him fourth. Like, that's just a reality. Like, we can over-obsess about lineup composition, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that that guy does not belong hitting fourth. And when you do that... Uh, yeah, you're going to need amazing pitching to win. They had amazing pitching. Their record when Manoa's on the mound is outstanding. That is kind of a silly stat. We all know that there's a lot of randomness that goes into that in terms of how pitchers get run support. 
But the fact of the matter is, when he's on the mound, they feel like they're going to win, even when other things are stacked against them. Today, I, other things were stacked against them, and they came up with a win. I, they, I, you're absolutely right. All right, we got some we got some callers queuing up. I think we should do this, right? Absolutely. That's what we're it. here for. Laura, are you here? I need to unmute. Yeah, you need to unmute. Are you there, Laura? It's in the bottom right next to the thumbs up. Yeah. Oh, Laura, we were going to – oh, you had the honor of being the first. Oh, here you are. Wow, this is a moment, Laura. You're here. I'm here. Terrific. All right. How did you feel about the game? What do you you got to say? Nice to talk to you. You are the first. uh, Honored that, that Laura, you are the first one to be calling on us. All right. Well, I I was asking, uh, why did somebody think that that Tapia would be a great cleanup hitter? Uh, (laughs) I I took a look at the lineup and said, you've got to be kidding me. But, um, I mean, I mean, I would, are we just that short of people who can hit? I think a little bit. I mean, while George Springer was, you know, they were giving him the day off, he was in, it was, he was in DH, so you can't have Zach Collins, who probably would have otherwise been the, the cleanup hitter. Um, not that that's great either, to be honest. Not that, yeah, but, but I mean, with Teoscar out, with, with Danny Jansen out, you know, it is, and Nick and I talked about this earlier, you know, in a season preview episode, like, I think, the bench is probably the spot where they are uh, they are shortest, at least at the moment. They've got some. I mean, I wrote about Samad Taylor today, who's having a great start to the year yeah. in, in AAA. Gabriel Moreno is you know is a guy. They they the the bench you know the the roster is fluid, but at the moment, yeah, I guess that made sense. It seemed weird to me too, though. Him left-handed <laughs> played a big role in that too. Like Whitlock just mows down right-handed hitters. I think they wanted to mix that up. They don't have a lot of good options. Like they're not going to put Cato in cleaning up there. So I think they didn't want to give him a massive slate of right-handed hitters in a row. Now, I don't think that justifies the move. I would rather see, you know, I'd rather see Chapman there. I'd even rather see Kirk there, kind of regardless of which side of the plate they hit from. But there is some quasi-logical rationale buried deep inside that decision. I think that's true. And Laura, thank you so much. We got some. We got some callers. I'm going to be this guy. I'm going to. We're going to move on to the next caller. Now we got Alex. You're going to have to unmute yourself as well. Hey guys, I'm I'm loving this new format. Thanks for doing this. Oh, glad you're liking it. We're, we're you know we're kind of flying blind here, but uh, it's been fun so far. Well, I, I just want to um, reiterate uh, how much fun this team is to root for, but. Uh, um, I love the team, but I just want to uh, be a bit picky here and, and just call out Romano a little bit. I know Ooh. he's had a lot of success, which has been a lot of fun, especially for a Canadian boy. Uh, but uh, I'm seeing him miss his spots uh, from time to uh, from uh, quite a bit. And then when people are making contact, it's been pretty hard contact. That's been finding gloves more often than not, thankfully. Um, but he makes you nervous out there. Uh, I know his stuff is nasty, and, and maybe that nasty stuff plays. Uh, but just wanted to pick your brains to see if you guys have the uh, same concerns as I do. I think Nick, you would be good to talk about that because you wrote about the red flags on Romano, uh, which he, I think some have been uh, have been lowered. 
uh, now that he's throwing a bit harder. But uh, there has been some hard contact. I think Alex is absolutely right that there, you know, uh, it's, you know, nobody can be Craig Kimbrell or BJ Ryan if you're of the vintage. But, uh, but yeah, Nick, how do you feel about Romano? Yeah, I think the red flags are more orange flags right now. Um, <laughs> the velocity has come back, but he still is giving up the hard contact. It's important to remember that even when he's at his best, like he's not painting the corners. Like that's not who he is. He's a guy who rears back and throws a big fastball, and he's got a slider with amazing movement, but he doesn't always know exactly where it's going. So the contact is a bit of an issue for sure. Um, but kind of like Manoa, like he's a stuff guy, not a command guy. And I know that's what Dan Shulman said on the broadcast today and Pat Tabler kind of pushed back on it, but I would be with Shulman in this situation. Um, some of the pitchers are going to be effective in different ways. And it's interesting. Jeff Sullivan at Fangraphs used to do a series where he'd do one inning with a particular pitcher's command. And he would show like all the spots he was looking for and where he ended up doing it. Mm-hmm. And he did even Mariano Rivera. And you'd be surprised how much people are missing their spots by. So it is true that he doesn't have the best command in the world. It's not, it, he doesn't necessarily need it to be effective, but there are some worries with him early in the year for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Robbie Ray is a guy who reminds me, like that reminds me of, right? Like where last year, you know, he wasn't hitting his spots, but there was just such life on his pitches that, he was able to get away with it. I think Manoa is a little bit the same way. Uh, so it can absolutely work. But, yeah, you definitely uh, – I don't know if, uh, if Romano has a straighter fastball or what. I mean, he's obviously – they obviously don't pick up on it well because it's not, like, elite. I mean, sometimes he's, you know, sometimes he's pushing 100, I guess. So it is elite, elite velocity. But uh, even when he isn't quite at his best in terms of velocity, like, it's still hard for guys to really square him up. They do sometimes. Um but I don't know. I mean, you want you want Jimmy Garcia back there? <laughs> like, I mean, that's kind of where we're at, right? Yeah, those are some red flags. Those aren't orange. <laughs> I like I like Tim Mesa. I want to see Mesa in that role, to be honest. Okay, that's fair, man. Yeah, no, Mesa has been great, and everybody loves like has nothing bad to say about Mesa. Uh, the fact that he's a lefty, I think, maybe means you deploy him more leftily. But yeah, I mean, sure, well, I won't say a bad thing about Tim Mesa. No, yeah, Mesa's fantastic. I think that in reality, you would want a bullpen where you kind of deploy guys based on matchups. And Romano has been, you know, so effective early in the year in terms of locking down the saves that that arrow's kind of come out of Montoyo's quiver. And now he's working with sort of a straight up traditional alignment. And there are definitely cons to that. Out of that quiver. All right. All right. We're going to move on. We're going to take another caller. I think we got Eli coming up. Yeah, awesome. You know, it's uh, you guys have great content. It's great to be on. I, I just have kind of have a stupid question, maybe. But, you know, like, even it, it's kind of irrelevant with, like, the Chapman trade. But let's say Chapman got injured. Like, do you ever think that they'll try Vladdy at third again? Because it's like, you know, he's a competitive guy. And he's lost all his weight. He's such a great defender at first. Like, it's not ideal having uh, Bichette at short. But, like, you know, why, why can't we play Vladdy, Vladdy, like, 30 games at third? And then we could have had, like, tell us at first, even though, you know, the Richards trade went really well. I think that's, you know, I mean, you are kind of wasting a weapon of his, right? Like he's, his arm is really good. Um, I love him as the first baseman just because, you know, you see him chatting with everybody and he's like, he's the mayor of vibes or whatever. I forget what I, maybe I already called Charlie that, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) Like I totally, I think that they absolutely could. And I think if they were a bad team, uh, that they probably they probably would try to do that, you know. But they're they're 
into this mode where they're actually trying to win. And I think, you know, maybe if Chapman goes down, I mean, I think Espinal is probably your first uh, choice at third base. And geez, I hope, you know, if Chad, God forbid Matt Chapman get hurt, gets hurt because you don't want to see like Cato every day or whatever. And I think maybe that is a situation where you, uh, where you look to Vladdy. But, uh, but again, this kind of speaks to the, the, the lack of depth that they've got, you know, in terms of beyond the first nine guys. Nick, how do you feel about it? It's interesting because he's definitely gotten more athletic. As you mentioned, his arm has always been fantastic, kind of just like his dad's. He's got that bullet, you know, even in his rookie season where he's a bit of a disaster at third, he made some really impressive throws. I think the way the Blue Jays think about it is, one, you know, don't rock the boat when things are going well. And I think there's a belief in the organization that playing him at third base and him having those defensive struggles did affect his sort of overall confidence level and ability to perform. I don't know how valid that is. You'll never be able to prove that one way or the other. The other thing is just, you know, from a health preservation point of view, like if you go to the leaderboards for first baseman in any given season and look at games played, like these guys generally you know, they can play 145, 150, 155 games. Like a lot of first basemen stay healthy because it is just a less physically demanding position. So that's kind of their partly their way of having him stay healthy because his bat is so valuable. It doesn't matter if he's a first baseman or even if he was only a DH, uh, he would be an incredible player for this team, obviously. And I, I understand the temptation to put him out there and you think, oh, he can do it now. And in theory, that value could go up. We saw with Miguel Cabrera, even when he was a bad third baseman, he still kind of brought more value to the team because they were able to have Prince Fielder and whatnot. That comparison has been made a lot. But at the end of the day, I understand the Blue Jays being a little bit risk averse with him because the cost of losing him for any period of time is uh, pretty rough. Okay, but who who plays third base every day? How does that work if Chapman goes, God forbid, if Chapman goes down? Oh, I mean, then it's going to be Espinal, and then second base is going to be a combination of Biggio when he's back and maybe, like, you know, whoever of Otto Lopez or Leo Jimenez is doing something in the minor leagues. Or you go get somebody, <laughs> oh, like. okay. So so pray for Matt Chapman's health, everybody, is what you're basically saying. Yeah, no, as bad as he looks <laughs> at the plate over the last couple of days, he is very important. Uh, all right, we're going to move on. We're going to take another caller. I, I, this, is a, this is weird to keep saying that, like I'm a real person, but uh, uh, we got Joe. Uh, hey, it's good to have the Jays actually win in April for once in their lives. <laughs> Isn't it nice? Isn't it really nice? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just been really good just seeing this rotation really round into form pretty quickly with Gosman already being amazing and Manoa being really good already. It's good to see them pitch really well at the beginning of the year. I mean, that is the, that's the thing you could focus on and take, you know, say like that is the thing that's gone really, really well, right? Like Gosman, you know, the strikeout walk ratio is insane. It's infinite at this point, uh, especially compared to what Robbie Ray is doing. Uh, that's oh, that's tough. Yeah, like I, I, yeah, Robbie Ray's fastball's down two and a half miles an hour. Yeah, you're not trading Gosman for Ray right now. If someone offered it straight up, like yeah. even though it's been a month, even though it's a tiny sample of uh, you know the the length of what those contracts will be, the the trajectory of both those players has gone as well as it possibly could for the Blue Jays. Then Manoa kind of repeats his rookie year, and then you know Barrios after that rough you know, rough first start kind of looks like himself. 
this is the strength of the team right now. It might not be all year when the lineup comes back together and Bichette starts to hit, et cetera. Like there's reason to believe that they'll still be a very explosive offense. But so far, this is by far and away the strength of the team. Absolutely. Joe, you got, you got a hot take here or uh, we're here. Just, we're just going to talk about Gosman and, and, and Manoa, which obviously that works too. No, I, I, nothing particular. It's just, I've, right. I've really loved watching Kevin Gosman pitch. He looks really good. It's really fun. It's really fun. Especially now that he's got that slider going. Like it was, it was, he's going to be a two pitch pitcher. And, uh, oh no, turns out his slider is also really good. And that just adds such another dimension that it's like, it's kind of like Tom Hackett cheek talking about Alec Manoa for the Cy Young, but, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Who are you betting on? You bet, who's going to win the Cy Young, Alec Manoa or, or, or Kevin Gossman? So that's how I feel where, that's where the race is at right now. I also like the slider thing for Gosman from a watchability standpoint. Like it's kind of binary sometimes when a pitcher really has two pitches. You're like, oh, is he going to go fastball up or split or down? And so when you're kind of thinking along with him and the catcher, I think it's more fun now that he's added that. Well, not added, but kind of emphasize that other um, pitch in his repertoire. You know, I'm sure hitters thinking along with him are having a harder time, uh, but I'm having more fun watching him. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, Joe, thank you so much. We're going we're going on to Rob. We got Rob in the queue. Hey, can you guys hear me? We can. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say thanks for uh doing all this stuff and and man, I've been following your writing for so long and and you are I I think the best best Jays writer out there and I just love oh, reading your great. stuff. So, keep it coming. That's so nice to to say to hear, man. Thank you so much. Uh I, this is actually I was scared about how this was going to work. We were kind of flying blind, like just using the like controls of this. Uh, I can't speak for Nick. I'm having a fun time. This is uh, this is great. I'm glad you're on, man. Uh, you got to. Well, this is this is this is like the new new Jays talk, really. <laughs> That's kind of what we're we're well, we were kind of like best case scenario. Hopefully, people get into it. But yeah, this has been fun so far. Yeah. So I'm stuck in Australia, but I grew up in Canada. Oh, so that's you. That's you. Oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah, legend. I got the legend. Thank you for calling. Uh, what time yeah, is it? No, it's, um, it's like eight thirty or something like that. Eight seventeen in the morning. It's perfect. <laughs> well, that, that, to you perhaps. Not my favorite. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, there's so many things I could ask, but I just think, I think baseball is such. One of the things I think we like so much about it is it's just so unbelievably unpredictable, right? I mean, we went in this year thinking we were going to have this juggernaut offense, which we still might. But if you look at the a month ago, if you looked at the lineup we had today, nobody would nobody would have said, "Oh, that's going to be our lineup." And the fact that we're winning when Ryu is 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 crapped out, Kikuchi is just a wild card. I don't know if it's just luck that we we've got the record that we have, or if we're just playing sound fundamental <laughs> baseball, but. You just can't predict anything. It is, it's amazing. And, I mean, I, I think sound fundamental baseball is, is interesting because, you know, the defense has been way better than we've seen for years. I mean, Chapman obviously helps, but but not necessarily having Lourdes and Teoscar in the corners. You know, Zimmer is a great defender. Tapia is pretty decent. And, you know, you've seen, we've seen Kirk. I've been talking about this on Twitter, like, where his, like, framing – percentile rank on Statcast uh, has gone. It keeps going up, which is kind of interesting. And and he's looked way better behind the plate. He's looked better behind the plate than he has at the at the plate as a hitter so far. Um, and I think that that you know, and Espinal playing every day very quickly over Biggio, I think has has made it uh, uh, 
like a really actually pretty good defensive team, which is which is very 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 fun. And I, I think you're right that that you know if we looked at this one, if you if you if you go back to March and be like, here's what the Blue Jays lineup is going to be <laughs> on April 28th, and they're going to be, and you tell if you told us what the record would be, we'd be stunned, right? Like I mean, and we and, and this wasn't even the best lineup because they didn't have Zach Collins in. It's like it's absurd, <laughs> but like. Uh, but you you can't predict it. You're right. But also, I think that that's part of what the job of the front office is to do is to like is to is to raise the floor. That's what we talked about all in the the dog shit years forever, where where they were, you know, getting Brandon Drury and Billy McKinney and like just trying to raising the floor was an important thing. And I think they have a floor that's pretty high right now, uh, which which really helps. Nick, I assume you have uh, thoughts on this as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you would guess they had a reverse record to the one they had. For real, if you, if you, if if you saw Rafael Tapia cleaning yeah, up, I'd be like, "Oh no, this this season, <laughs> like they're not going to make the expanded playoffs here. This is a problem." <laughs> no, it's it's a huge part of putting a team together, and it's been said a thousand times that people obsess over that opening day roster, uh, and we just know how quickly that all goes to shit. To be honest, uh, like whether it's injuries, whether it's guys not performing. And you need, you know, you need that Zach Collins to come out of nowhere and give you some good at-bats. Now, I have no faith that Zach Collins has any more good at-bats to give, to be honest. Um, <laughs> that being said, like he gave for a couple games, he was very important to them. And he helped them win a few games. And those are wins that are banked, that can never be taken away from them. And yeah, they've been a little bit lucky early in the season, but they are good enough. And they have guys coming back that will make them better. And presumably, especially with all these wins banked, there's a very good chance they're going to be in the mix of the trade deadline, and then they'll further make additions. So while you could say, oh, this team isn't as good as their record, that is true. They are on the way to becoming a better team, and they are fortunate to have banked the wins they have, and that's put them in a really good position. They've had some brutal Aprils in a couple of years past, but at the end of the day, you still feel good about this being a good baseball team, a potentially a great baseball team, even if they haven't looked that way at times through all of these close wins. 100%. Rob, legend, thank you so much. We're taking another one. It is Sam, who I mentioned uh, because of the chat comment earlier. Hi, guys. Thanks, Sam. Sorry. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're good. I, I sound a little rough. This is uh, this is bedtime here in the UK, so I'm, oh, I'm yeah. gonna talk and then I'm gonna go to sleep. I I thought there was a funny thing mentioned by Tab in the, Tab in the uh, in the broadcast. He was talking about Espinal and uh, sort of implying that he might be a guy. And I know on your last podcast you were talking about how. He's the sort of player that everyone wants to root for when you're a Blue Jays fan. Just, uh, it, I just want to know what you think. Is, yeah, is I, he really a guy? Is he I, just going to crap out? I don't know. I think I think Ross Atkins like was flexing there this week. Like it was, uh, he was like, well, sometimes you're right. You know, they they saw that he hits the ball hard. They saw that the glove was good, and they they've really been doing this thing where they have been helping. Guys, and this is kind of you know if you listen to March and Pyro for years or listen to them for years talk about you know what their philosophy is as an organization, and they're very they're they're very cognizant of not being like we want players to do this. They're more like we want to give players the resources to make themselves better, and 
how to whatever extent that means and i think that that means it is a bit hands-off and i think that's been you know that's i don't know anyone who's ever had a job probably understands how hey hands-off is actually is actually quite good especially if it's in a great environment where i want to get better where all these guys obviously have huge financial incentives to get better and you see that not just from espinal right i wrote about a bit today about like some of the prospects that the you know Simon taylor is having a great year, and is a, and, and I linked to David Lorilla from Fangrass. Uh, talked to him in February, and was talking about he's talking about the mental performance coach that he works with, and and just how you know you know and Samad Taylor I think is a, a, an incredible example of a guy you know who was just really raw and was like people were like this guy this guy has the tools, but you know that doesn't you know there are hundreds and hundreds of examples of guys who have the tools and it never comes together. And to the the Jays, I think, are focused on and trying to like to make themselves an organization where a guy like that can have the the feedback and the resources that he needs to do whatever he can. And this interview I thought was was really great, where he was talking about working with a mental performance coach and being hard on himself in years past, and and really trying to like you know let the game slow itself down for him and like things that you kind of you know think about that. that the, the cliches that you start to hear from Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, but it's, I think that those are things that they really believe in. And I think that they, you know, as an organization have done a very good job of getting a lot out of guys, you know, on the pitching side and on the hitting side that are, that are, uh, that weren't there before. And I think that, you know, Santiago Espinal, I think is a great example of that as well, because, you know, there were a lot of tools there, but I think that the, the player development is something that they've tried to focus on and have done probably a pretty good job there because he, to me, looks like, you know, it's the, the track record just keeps getting longer, right? Like he, he stings the ball and, uh, and his glove is great. And he's swole. Yeah. He's swole now. Yeah. I mean, hundred <laughs> percent yeah, he is a, uh, a frustrating <laughs> person to talk to sometimes because you'll ask him a question like, what do you think like Bill, Billy McKinney can do? Uh, for this team. And he'll say something like, well, I never want to put a ceiling on a player. And you roll your eyes because you're like, Billy McKinney's not going to be any good. Just tell us like what you think the role is going to be. All right, this is me yeah, hearkening back to more of my beat type days. But anyway, the reality is that for all that sounding like just platitudes, sometimes we try and put ceilings on players a little bit too early. And, you know, there's no way to know that Santiago Espinal was going to come out and yeah, like you come out way more built with more muscle and the ability to hit the ball so much harder than he did last season. Like last season, he was a very effective offensive player. This season, uh, you know, the numbers actually aren't as good as last season yet in some areas, but he has a lot more power and there's a lot more potential. Like he's not relying on flares falling in anymore. He's, you know, he's driving the ball hard. And if he is, you know, even an average offensive player, which probably isn't too much to ask at this point with this added ability to make yeah. hard contact and the way that he doesn't strike out very much with what he does defensively. Like that's a starting caliber player, uh, which is something that I was, you know, often skeptical that he could be because he never showed any of that power in the past. But all you have to do is to add, you know, add one element to a player and suddenly they're a whole different guy. Like, I don't know, like if you had a Beau Bichette and you added plate discipline, wow. he would be <laughs> the, like one of the very, 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 he's already one of the better players in the league, but he would be like a perennial MVP candidate. And that's yeah. what's happened with Espinal is he's had all these good qualities and they didn't quite coalesce into a great player yet, but you add that one new element 
And now that ceiling is, yeah, it's a lot higher than it used to be. And Ross Atkins, if I don't know if he ever said, I don't want to limit Espinal's ceiling, but if he did, uh, he was right not to limit it because clearly <laughs> it is uh, on the way up. Well, uh, true, but also he can get a lot of run because he's not really got a lot of uh, competition at that well, position yeah. at this point. <laughs> sort of the other end of that spectrum, I guess. So but, well, I'll take that trade off while it lasts, though. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's take another caller. We have Marco here. Oh, I know Marco. Hey, greetings. Pasadena, California. We've got all corners of the planet over here. Oh, yeah, man. Good to hear from you. So I, uh, I think you guys have picked on a lot of the things I was going to bring up, but uh, I feel like people are happy to shit all over the front office when uh, things aren't going well. But when things are going well, you know, you hardly hear about it. And uh, I, I feel like this this, uh, this spring they, they've they uh, had a, a couple of coups there, yeah? I almost wonder when other teams will stop dealing with it. It's going to take a while before they reach that raise status where you really want to just hang up the phone. But they've definitely <laughs> done a good job in the last, you know, building this team, the pitching the offense, there's not a lot of holes there. You know, these bench players, we talked about that being a hole. Well, they were able to win with that today because the pitching they developed is so good. Yeah, I mean, they, they were... Well, so I, I, I mean, Zach, Zach Collins, though yeah, it did I not mean, look like a great deal at the first... Uh, <laughs> at first. I don't know if you, if any of you guys saw this, probably not. But Reese McGuire had a pass ball today uh, in a tied ball game in extra innings that essentially cost the White Sox a game. So... Uh, looks really good, <laughs> but basically looks good Settled, yeah. because you got like t- even 10 good games out of Zach Collins is good value for Reese McGuire. I don't know. I've been like the most anti Reese McGuire person, which is kind of unnecessary. It's kind of like kicking someone when they're down. Um, but yeah, they've made <laughs> a lot of in the major leagues of baseball, but you know, yeah, but okay. also I do kind of get it as well. Yeah. I remember what you said about ceilings? <laughs> Reese McGuire? I think that Collins. one's pretty safe. Oh, Collins. I, the, the ceiling, I think we're seeing, right? Yeah, because even when he's doing well, I don't I don't know. I guess you could tor- you could twist your way into being optimistic about it. But it's like even when he's doing well, like he's his contact rate is like not far north of 50%. Like it's so hard for him to produce with the amount that he swings and misses. And until he shows kind of significant growth in that area, which is not impossible – um, but you know, Santiago Espinal can get stronger and hit the ball harder. It's harder to get more hand-eye coordination in the same way. I think that, yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. All right, Nick, we, our cue is, uh, oh, somebody's queuing up. All right. Well, we'll, cue, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Cindy for sure. Thanks guys. All right. I didn't know you were wrapping up. Sorry. I just no, wanted no, to no. say happy that. To, happy to take your call. Happy <laughs> to take your call. I love watching teams that play like a team. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, For sure. I think that's what the Blue Jays are really exciting to me this year. And I think that what you mentioned also earlier about them giving guys a chance and, you know, trying to help them along in their – I think that that helps when someone gives you a chance and they're giving you the tools, you kind of own your development, like really own your development at that yeah. point. 
And I think that mentally that really helps a player. And, you know, you're playing with George Springer and Vladdy, you know, and if, if these guys are giving you an opportunity and some help with your tools, I think that that motivates you to be an even better player. And, you know, I just love this team. They're just <laughs> so fun to watch. It's it, I, absolutely they are, and I think you're right. I mean, I've I've been in Ross Atkins' office. Like they'll talk about books, and they think about that stuff. And it's like the, you know they'll they'll say that, and people will be like, "Oh, roll their eyes about like, oh, these corporate guys talking like." But it's like no, they think about leadership and culture, and read books and read PhDs writing on you know they get right into it because that's their job, and and you know. Uh, as well, I'd, I'd hate to give them credit for things, but also I think they, yeah, I think they deserve credit. Like it really, I think that that flows from the top. That the the fact that like that is kind of the team that they, I, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a happy accident that it's this good this soon. The way that these guys seem to really love playing with each other and how much that how fun that is and how that you know spreads to the fan base. I don't know if it was like that. <laughs> like particularly identified and like made happen because like there's just so much randomness and variation involved in, in roster building, but that's you know those, there's that's what they kind of are going for I think and and you know talking to Ross will be they'll or, or Mark they'll tell you books like that you should read about stuff like that uh, and I think they get book at, recommendations. To talk yeah. <laughs> I think that there's some players also that just perform better on a team where they're allowed to be themselves and they're amongst a real team. I think that that also helps too in winning. For sure. I think, and I think that's absolutely right. Right. Nick, I mean, you've talked to these guys, you know, this was, uh, you know, (laughs) they'll talk about the, you know, the, the captain class or whatever. Yeah. I mean, they, they put a huge emphasis on uh, character and on leadership with some of these guys and on culture and on player development. And for the longest time, that just sounded like a bunch of buzzwords. It sounded like a jumble. Like you talk to me about how hard Brandon Drury works and I don't care (laughs) because he can't hit. And you talk to me about, yeah, you know, I I don't, I keep harping on Billy McKinney. I don't know why he kind of represents this for me, but like (laughs) Billy McKinney is a consummate professional and he wants to get better so badly. And then I look at it and say, well, it doesn't matter because he's not you know, he, he doesn't play good enough defense to be in center and he doesn't hit enough to be in a corner. And I don't know, he's been on like every NL playoff team in the last couple of years. So uh, somebody wants him. <laughs> wow. Well, they see it. They see it. No, but it, for a long time in the sort of 2017 to 2018, early 2019 uh, timeline, it, it kind of felt like word service. It was like, it was just, oh, we're going to say this because, you know, this is our philosophy, blah, blah, blah. And it didn't really seem to correlate with winning. Like there wasn't an obvious, it's like, okay, sure. You've got a bunch of great guys in here, but can they hit and can they pitch? Uh, and now, you know, they talk about the, these guys, but now they're talking about like Jose Barrios when they extend him. It's a lot of the same language about how much of a character guy he is and how much of a professional he is and all that stuff. But he just happens really, to have a lot of skill. Yeah. He's an incredible <laughs> pitcher too. Like one of the guys you'd absolutely want to bet on over the long term. <laughs> based solely on what he does on the mound. So it seems like they're now marrying, you know, this idea of here's the culture we want, here's the player development we want, and here are the type of characters we want to bring into our locker room with, okay, now we have the resources and we are, we are where we are in our competitive window where 
we're not just getting guys who are good guys. We're getting guys who are good guys, and they are also very good at baseball. And it's coming together in a team that is both effective and, like, you know, in this conversation we've had with you guys, like, fans are clearly responding to this team, and they have been kind of since the beginning of this Vladdy Bo era. Hashtag next level. Oh, that commercial is not great. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't want to call out whoever made that commercial, but they didn't know like a lot about video games and they're trying to make it video game-ish and it, I don't know, it just doesn't really work. All right. Okay. I think we're going to wrap it up this time, but uh, what do you got? You got anything more to touch on before we go? No, I'm, Apparently I'm the host now. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, you, you've become the host now. I don't have any <laughs> monologues uh, left. I think people's questions kind of touched on a lot of the stuff that we probably would have talked about anyway. Um, in some of these episodes, we're kind of figuring out the format with you guys. We appreciate that you guys called in today. We like talking to you. Uh, for the people who can't call in and have to listen later, you guys are important to us too. So in some of these episodes, if we feel like we didn't touch on some of the stuff that um, based on the questions, we might talk a little bit after all the calls to make sure that everyone kind of gets their fill of what we want to say. Um, but you know, it is, we're kind of feeling it out. It's a little bit of trial and error and we appreciate you guys kind of coming and riding out this first episode with us. Yeah. But also if you're listening after the fact, listen to what you're missing, listen to what you're missing. Come on, get get on it. Let's go Sunday (laughs) at the conclusion of Sunday's game. I will be doing this again. Well, that was Nick's cue. I don't know where he's gone. Oh now. well, I thought that was. I thought we were done here. <laughs> Are we done? Are we really part. done? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, thank you, everybody. Yeah, we're done.